and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus Fenstaden of Witz University in Johannesburg, South Africa. A very good afternoon to you, Kobus. Good afternoon. Kobus, I'm very excited today because we're going to be talking about something that's near and dear to your heart, Asia-Africa media relations, which of course is your field of study. In particular, we're going to be focusing on the Chinese news coverage of Africa. Yes, I'm very excited about this because usually when we talk about Chinese news coverage of Africa, we talk about the Chinese state-owned media. And they, of course, have their own complications and their own agenda. But today we, we get the chance to talk about Chinese private media in Africa, which is a completely different ballgame. I'm very excited. And for that, we're joined by Zhang Zhu, who's a special correspondent for Phoenix TV based in Nairobi, Kenya. Welcome to the program, Zhu. Thank you for inviting Eric. Oh, I think it's really a pleasure to have you on the show for the first time. And I, before we get started into some of the editorial considerations and what's it like for you to be a journalist based in Nairobi, it might be helpful for folks to get a little bit of an understanding of who exactly is Phoenix TV and why it's different from other Chinese press, as Kobus alluded to. Right. So, um, so Phoenix TV is a Hong Kong-based, you know, private hold, um, you know, television. And then um, it started a little bit before um, 2000. And then Phoenix TV have a different channel that provides, you know, international news and also um, they do talk show and documentary also. And then um, since it has been established, I think Phoenix uh, in China it has a reputation of being, um, you know, don't, uh, you know, they they are not directly controlled by the central government. And then also they have a more or less, you know, more liberal view um, towards the Chinese audience. Then, um, you know, right now, um, Phoenix, you know, um, the iPhone.com, which is the uh, the official web, uh, the official website of of Phoenix, it has the uh, the largest, you know, audience ship uh, in China, and then it provides, you know, um, news through its, uh, you know, video app, and then uh, through its website. Although it hasn't got like a full license to to broadcast in China yet, but. Um, yeah, so so Phoenix, it's um, um, we in terms of how how it's different from uh, most of the um, you know state media. I think the Phoenix is a commercial television, so um, the we we follow the international trend on what is the most heated topic, and then uh, we go there and we report on it. So we have a um, um, less direct control by the central censorship in a way. Yeah, and just to give people a sense of how big and important Phoenix is. Uh, they are in 150 countries all over the world. When I was based in Los Angeles as a journalist covering the Chinese community, uh, Phoenix has a production division there. There's a production division in Europe. Uh, they reach 300 million people around the world. About half of that audience is in mainland China. So the voice of what Zhu is covering is reaching that audience. And I think that's what's so interesting, Kobus, about this opportunity to kind of evaluate, you know, the different narratives within Chinese media, because I think for a lot of Westerners, we think and assume that English is the standard. But if you see these networks like Phoenix, they're huge and very popular. And oftentimes they're saying a lot of different things about the same stories. Exactly. The, you know, the English isn't, isn't a neutral medium. You know, kind of with the fact that something is in English means that it, it comes in certain words and it tends to follow certain narratives. And some obviously you know, journalists who work in English challenge those narratives. But when you speak about China-Africa relations in a different language, especially in Mandarin, then you you actually speaking about something else and it gets articulated in a different way. Um, did you, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about what some of the stories are that your editors are requesting from you um, to do in Nairobi? 
Right. So as a, you know, international news channel, like, you know, although we are, uh, we're Mandarin broadcasting, we face to um, China, uh, the population, the war population who speaks Chinese. And so, first of all, we all, we follow all the big news stations, you know, what they're following. You know, for example, uh, in Africa, probably uh, terrorism and counterterrorism is a very big topic. But then uh, at the same time, uh, my editor um, and uh, m myself also think about what kind of news would be interesting to the Chinese audience specifically. So um, we, we do a lot of uh, reports or uh, you know special reports on China-Africa relations, um, mostly um, on the big project. You know, China has built Africa, and also uh, what what is this project? Where you know uh, investments um, affects you know Africa. So that's the main thing we um, we are um, you know, we're interested in, we're concerned about. You know, one of the things that makes China's engagement in Africa so interesting is that it is very complex, and that complexity brings good things and bad things. Now, when you watch CCTV and you read Xinhua and some of the, you know, the state, the party-run media from China, you don't get to see that complexity. What you see is more or less a one-sided story, which is China's, you know, wonderful contribution to the support and the mutual benefit and win-win development of the African people, blah, 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 blah. What I'm curious about with you is that as an independent channel, do you editors ever request or do you pitch and do you cover some of the more, say, negative aspects of China's engagement, whether it is, you know, poaching, corruption, sampa, the kind of poor quality of Chinese infrastructure, the racism that was in the Nairobi restaurant, you know, all of these stories that really fill out the China-Africa story in a more holistic way, but aren't necessarily very flattering towards the Chinese community in Africa. Um, so I think, you know, for my role, um, I need to pitch the story myself. And then in that sense, you know, I have a lot of, you know, flexibility to um, tell my editor what's actually happening in Africa, you know, what do African people care about China-Africa? Uh, but then at the same time, you know, um, I mean, I um, to answer your question, like for now, um, I, I've never, since I started this job last year in July, I haven't got any, you know, uh, you know, um, um, you know, directly or indirectly, my editor haven't um, told me that there's certain type of story you cannot really report on. You know, except in you know certain events that you know there are uh, you know re you know responses or or events that you know involves um, the most senior heads or let's say you know President Xi Jinping um, directly involves them. Then even myself would know that. You know, after all, Phoenix is a Chinese television. We face to the Chinese audience, so we cannot really say anything bad about um, the Chinese state policy. But but except that, I think my editor in general, she encouraged me to um, from different angle to approach China, China Africa story in from different angle. Um, you know, when I was doing this, you know, special report um, on the China's um, uh, the SGR project, the China Belt Railway in Kenya, and then she encouraged me to you know explore. Um, you know, different angle. How 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 to do the story? How to get the most um, interesting you know response on ground? So in that sense, I would say Phoenix has a much more relaxing rule in terms of uh, censorship. I, but I wouldn't say in terms of like self censorship. But even for myself, I wasn't a trained journalist. I've never been to a Chinese journalism school. But um, to to myself, I was a politics student and I know China politics well and then um, even you know to on certain topic, I know what kind of things I would be. Um, you know, my story idea would, would be rejected, and I wasn't intent, you know, intentionally to look for those um, those kind of news stories just to, you know, ex expose a negative 
side of um, China, Africa. So m- most of the time, you know, we would say if there's a really like a really negative angle, you should talk about China, Africa, then we would prefer to say it from maybe the interviewee's view instead of the reporter's view, you know, per se. Um, and what kind of feedback have you gotten about mo- about stories that you did that were a little bit more critical um, or complex about the Chinese involvement? Is there some kind of, uh, wh- what kind of, do, do you get audience feedback about those kind of stories? And if so, what, what kind of feedback was it? Um, I think I, um, to, to myself, because we are a talented channel, so f- um, for, you know, for, for the direct feedback, I'm not quite sure what the audience was thinking. But then I think for people who choose to watch Phoenix, because the situation right now, you know, Phoenix doesn't have like a full license to broadcast in, um, in, in China. Um, um, I don't know, um, you know, whether COVID's you when you're in, when you're in China, like how, how's your access to Phoenix? But then right now in um, Phoenix in China, they also allow to broadcast in, you know, some, you know, three, three-star plus hotels or in some certain, you know, residential areas. So Phoenix does face like a substantial, um, you know, difficulty of getting, you know, like a full settlement uh, in China. Um, so, um, so you know, in, in, in that sense, I think we we do have, you know, we are aware that um, a, like a direct like, criticize, you know, criticism of the government wouldn't do the television China any good and then even you know when we have the internal discussion about how to approach the story we wanted to um, catch our we we still wanted to maintain the image of Phoenix as you know we are a liberal channel but then at the same time you know we 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 would prefer it to do it uh, in a more you know moderate way that is accepted by both um, the you know the large the the large you know um, you know state organs but also uh, to maintain um, people who choose Phoenix who are intentionally wanting to get like a more liberal view which is might maybe they might want it uh, something um, you know different from what they can see from CCTV or Xinhua. Yeah you know Cobus listening to Zhu's kind of explanation it reminds me a lot of the US and frankly the Western press and the same decisions that they make I mean I can't tell you and I follow this very very closely like you do um, when I've seen a U.S. media outlet criticize U.S. policy in Africa. Um, you don't see critical coverage of U.S. leadership or embassies or aid or for the most part. So I think in many ways, Phoenix and the, and the types of restrictions, the whatever you want to call it, is very, very similar to what the French media do covering French, uh, France, France Afrique. I can tell you from my own experience working inside Radio France International and at France 24, um, there was it was never broached to criticize the French. I mean, it just never so, came Eric, up. Um, so was that because it would be taboo, or you'd be you'd be kind of criticized directly by your editors, or was it that it was just impossible to imagine any saying anything bad about France? But in, that, France it, that, it, that it was just off the table. It was off the table. Not, okay. it, it was just it was not even in the realm of conversation. And what was interesting is that when I tried to pitch. China-Africa stories, both at RFI and at France 24, um, they were just summarily dismissed. So there's a culture that exists within every newsroom, and I think that's what we're hearing from Zhu a little bit. You know, Zhu, I want to get into a little bit about what you think, and, and again, let's, let's be very specific here, because when we say the word Chinese in English, there's one meaning, but in Chinese, there's actually two meanings. There's Zhongguo and then Huaren. So let's talk about the broader diaspora of Chinese, not mainland Chinese, okay? Just to kind of, you know, Phoenix's audience is a truly global audience in Taiwan, right. Singapore, the United States, Europe, Africa, everywhere else. So, so I just want to kind of put right. that clarification out there. 
when you're re- you know outreaching to and broadcasting to a global Chinese audience, ethnically, linguistically Chinese, um, what do you think their understanding of Africa is? And I ask this because in the West, and particularly in the United States, the narrative of Africa is still AIDS, child soldiers, war, famine, Ebola. You know, you can probably list on two hands the stereotypes that dominate 98% of all the coverage of Africa. And I'm curious what you think your audience wants and what their understanding of Africa is, and do they follow very similar stereotypes? I think, like you mentioned, you know, in, in the Western world, you know, certain type of um, things that people care about Africa, or well, there is some sort of we call, you know, stereotype that people have about Africa. And in China, it's pretty much the same thing because you, you know, like you mentioned, the traditional um, China-Africa uh, image built by, you know, the state media is that China uh, putting lots of money and support into Africa and help, um, you know, the African people and African country to get out of the, the um the current status, which is, you know, entrenched in poverty and all, all these, you know, um, awful things. Um, and then I guess for Chinese, um, we also face the, um, you know, this challenge, especially for Phoenix. Um, um, I keep saying one of the most different, you know, one of the differences between Phoenix and the state television is I think um, um, re- we, we when we talk about, you know, Phoenix and more, um, you know, because it's, I think the Western, um, I think the Western part of the world, they have this image about uh, when we call um, in, in in China, because they they believe in that the the state media, most of the state media, they have this, um, um, they're heavily influenced by censorship. Then they jump to the other side, thinking that maybe if you are like a private owned um, television channel, then you you're supposed to be more liberal. But I have to say, in practice, you know, all the reporters, all all the television station, they face you know practical, you know, practical. They, they face, you know, substantial difficulties. For example, um, you know, the access to information or, um, you know, in infrastructure support and financial support, especially reporting from a foreign country. So, um, so to me, when when you're talking about, you know, what 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 Chinese people are interesting, I have to say, um, Phoenix. Um, as a commercial television station, we rely on um, the advertisement we got. So actually, you know, how to satisfy the how to satisfy the audience based on what they already know is also very important because um, we don't have so much money to do a lot of you know um, to to build so much information that Chinese people don't know to just for the sake of educating them. But um, for most of the time, for commercial station, we also need to care about you know whether Chinese people can feel related to the story we do with uh, you know limited resources. With, with limited time and produce them, you know, right there. So I think um, um, I do feel sometimes some of the topics, like you know, I feel pressure to do um, are needed to um, needed to fit in the taste of uh, Chinese audience in terms of you know they uh, thinking Africa is a um, a poor country. Uh, it's a you know, but in 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 contrasting for some state media they might not have this sort of you know because they have enough you know financial support and they have um you know enough resources to throw on topic of they you know they are interested in in, in themselves so i think that was the you know that was the differences reporting for private private media and the state-owned media so i wonder um if you could tell us you know kind of bringing it to your day-to-day job in nairobi um in reporting a you know, a, a particular story. How would you approach it that would be different from a Chinese, like people who work for CCTV, for example, or Xinhua, um, and then B um, from your Western and Kenyan counterparts? Like, you know, kind of what may you know, kind of what kind of path or, or choice do you make when you're reporting a story that might be controversial about China? 
Um, I think first of all, when you talk about comparison, I have never worked for CCTV or Xinhua, so I I don't know what's the, you know the um, the procedure like when they do when you know what, what what they have to go through with their picture story. So for myself, like what I do every day, I you know when I get up, um, I go on website, I go to um, you know in Kenya, um, Nation is the largest is the largest newspaper. I I go on their website to. You know, first of all, get a sense of what 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 Kenya is talking about, uh, and then also go on, you know, BBC Africa, you know, Reuters to to know, you know, what like I I browse all sorts of you know resources and including Xinhua. Um, so, uh, but then you know when I'm picking the story, I, you know, we like for example for for terrorism, let you know, let's say so when there's you know like a terrorist attack happening in Kenya, I think maybe when um when like a BBC or like a Western media outlet when they're you know doing this anti Terrorism, you know, report. They're probably more focusing on, um, you know, maybe, um, you know, like institution. Why, why Kenya is failing, and you know, why, you know, the um, uh, how, how can, how Kenya will get get support from the Western world in the future in this, you know, counter terrorism strategy. But for me, I think, you know, as a Chinese media, we reported, you know, uh, for the overview, we wanted to know what happened, but also we were. A Pursue an angle that how uh, how affects the Chinese community or or you know uh, if the U.S. is help, helping Kenya to um, to to pursue like a um, a better security strategy, how China will will think about it and will will that be like a, a threat to the growing China Africa relations? So in that sense, you know we um um we will try to or my editor was you know will ask me to find an angle like this to insert China's role in a in the international topic that, um, like, you know, in the international events that are happening in, in Kenya, but how China role will be uh, participate into this. Yeah, it's interesting. And particularly the, you know, Islamic terrorism in, in Kenya uh, from al-Shabaab and, some, and, and then in, the, in West Africa, Boko Haram, you know, a lot of people forget that China itself struggles with Islamic terrorism, particularly in cities like Beijing, because of the uh, conflicts that are in Xinjiang and some of the western regions. So it's a very close story to a lot of Chinese viewers' hearts to follow Islamic terrorism around the world that a lot of people may not be familiar with and don't make that connection. I'm curious because one of the big complaints that a lot of western journalists have in covering China and Chinese people in Africa is the lack of access. That is, they will approach the embassies or consulates and they will get turned away. They will go to companies like Huawei and other Chinese enterprises for comment, and they get turned away. Part of the reason that they get turned away is that the Chinese don't feel comfortable necessarily speaking with the Western press. And part of it is just a culture of not, you know, dealing with the press. And I'm wondering if it's different for you, because obviously you speak Chinese. You come from Fenghuang, a Chinese or Chinese language channel that they're familiar with. Do you face the, sim the same pressures of gaining access to Chinese officials and Chinese companies, or is it, uh, is it much easier for you? I think compared to lots of Western reporter, the situation can be like much better for me, of course, because you know we. Um, I think Phoenix is you know known by most of the Chinese, and I have no problem approach to them. But then even until now, um, you know, to be honest, I'm not I'm not on the media list um, of the Chinese embassy because they never they probably don't know that um, Phoenix have you know play someone. I think they have you know they're in um, they have the way um, how they run their own propaganda and they have CCTV Xinhua who will, um, you know, run news the way they want it to run. Um, but then um, I, I also say I, I do face, you know, um, some kind of challenge that, you know, when I um, interview Chinese company and they, they know that because I, I, I remember when I was interviewed Chinese company, I, you know, I, I don't want to tell the name, 
But then um, um, I, I told them I because they asked me to send the question before um, I you know I, I go to the interview with one of the you know senior manager and then um, I I I I send a I send a question to them but then you know there's a lot of um, go back forwards and they you know they don't they don't like my question or they they want me to you know ask in a different way so um, so you know so you know at the end you know they. They, they said to me, they said, oh, you know, you know, very sorry. Like we, we, we really wanted to out, you know, our, um, you know, company to be, to be on Phoenix, but then we also have our own, um, you know, communication strategy. And we need, to, we need to think about what kind of news report will fits, you know, will um, be benefit, will benefit, will, will be helpful to our companies, to our com company's, company's image. So for Phoenix, you know, um, Phoenix is a pri private television. We all know Phoenix have this, you know, late, have this have this uh, oh can i restart this no no keep yeah can, go can, on keep going yeah so 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 she so she told me frankly at the end she said you know um we we know that phoenix is a, a private television you have this you know um being famous for being you know liberal in china so we also concerned about what kind of report you're going to put out there for cctv that i mean that's what she said she said for for cctv we don't even need to worry about we don't need to consult for them you know with um uh, we she she said they don't need to consult with you know um, media like CCTV and and Xinhua what kind of reporting and put out there because they they gonna make the company look good, but for Phoenix they do have this sort of concern and then when we actually doing the interview and there are situation happen when um, I ask a question and then um, the the expert who is about to answer my question um, you know already already started to, to respond, but the uh, PR person next to him tell him you cannot say things in this way, you cannot you know, say things that way. So I would say um, a lot of people, I, I, I have a lot of foreign media come to me say, you know, we are very interested in approaching you know, chi Chinese media. Do you have a way to help us to set up a connection to, so we can you know, get, get to the Chinese community? And then, and then these people from the foreign media, the first question they ask me is, you know, are you Chinese? If you're Chinese, you speak Chinese, you host Chinese passport, then you must have a great advantage, you know, compared to us to approach to the Chinese company. But what I want to emphasize here is you need to know, like for the media, I think, um, you know, in China, we have private media, we have state-owned media, and then we have, you know, you know, independent, you know, broadcaster or, you know, people who just have a, like a YouTube channel online. We have, um, you know, the, for the media, the, you know, the situation, the interest is much more diverse. But for the Chinese, for the Chinese company in Kenya, um, the interest of the Chinese community, especially for business, they're very unified. If they don't want to be interviewed, it doesn't matter if you are Chinese or you are whom, they don't want to be interviewed. So it's just, um, I think CCTV Xinhua will make them feel more secure just by the nature of it. It's a state-run you know, state media and then they're not going to say any bad thing about the companies. Kobus, it's absolutely fascinating because that right there, I think, unveils exactly why the Chinese are so crappy at public relations. And by the way, this is not uniquely a mainland Chinese thing. This is also, a, this is, you know, the Taiwanese are, are like this as well with their companies. So this is, a, you know, this is m more of a cultural thing than it is actually a national thing. But this desire to control the message, I know it from my, my former employers uh, who have been from Taiwan. You know, they want the questions in advance. They want to control everything. And Western press doesn't do that. And so what ends up happening is there's a vacuum that's then created. And the Western media oftentimes just fills that vacuum because the Chinese are not participating and engaging. Because as you, and again, they're not even doing it with their own press. So it, we're, we're just getting some insights here that, that explain why Chinese 
PR strategy, both diplomatic and corporate, is so pathetic? I think also I agree with you, and I think also it it shows why sometimes Chinese communication in Africa can be so problematic because it's not proactive. It tends to be very reactive. So it tends to people only get people only speak to something um, when there's already a reaction in in the media that they're trying to that are basically running after the train to try and catch up to. You know, it's very difficult when 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 companies and governments are so risk averse. It's very difficult for them to control the message because they know they can't get out in front of the message. Tell us, Zaju, final question. What are some of the stories that you're working on now and that you're looking ahead to in the near-term future? Um, at the moment, there's like no, you know, nothing really big happening. So I'm just following with the, you know, the daily trend, like what's happening in Africa. And then I, you know, just do, just do my normal job. And then, um, you know, my one, one of the difficulty for me to do star is, you know, the I think the budget, you know, to uh, mobilize myself in Kenya, it's a substantial challenge. So I, I, I wanted to do some some story in Dadaab about refugee, but then um, I'm trying to, you know, get all the all the budgets, you know, s- settling and then see how possible is it to do that. Zhang Zhu is a special correspondent for Phoenix TV based in Nairobi, Kenya. If you speak Chinese and you want to see her work, just go to ifeng.com. That's I-F-E-N-G. I think it's .com. Is that correct, uh, Zhu? iPhone.com. Yes. iPhone.com. I-F-E-N-G.com. That is for, uh, it's Feng, F-E-N-G, because in Chinese it's Feng Huang, which is the name of Phoenix in Chinese. And uh, it is a wonderful network of very, very good quality Chinese news. And we're looking forward to following your work. Uh, and, and thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you very much, Eric and Kobus. And Kobus, if people want to follow your work and what you're doing these days, what's the best way for people to stay in touch? You'll see me on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash China Africa Project. And there we have this constant feed of China Africa related news items, which we update about every four hours. I'm also on Twitter at Stadnesk. That's S-T-A-D-N-E-S-Q-U-E. And you can find me on Facebook as well, where we've got a quarter of a million people and we're, you know, engaging in, in dialogue and conversations and every four hours we're updating it. But if that is a little bit too much for you, we also have an email newsletter that goes out every Monday. And uh, Zaju, we hope that you'll sign up for our, our email newsletter and uh, you get four or five stories. Oh, excellent. And you get four or five stories uh, along with an academic or a research report or a book and a podcast. So it's a nice little digest of what's coming up in the week ahead or the week in review for China in Africa news. And you can sign up for that over on our website at ChinaAfricaProject.com or on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash ChinaAfricaProject. We'll be back again very soon with another edition of the China in Africa podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be right back. 